recording this at 9 p.m. on June the 3rd. So by the time you hear this, the New York Rangers have almost inevitably blown their 2-0 lead over Tampa. Welcome to the Battle of Alberta podcast, the hockey show that had to take a little while off for the Flames fan to recover both physically and mentally. I'm the Flames fan, Darren Plett, and along with me is Stuart Jones, the Oilers fan. Hello, Stu. Hey, Darren. How are you? (laughs) Well, as you can probably hear, not incredible. Uh, I did have an excuse for waiting this much time to the next episode. It's not because I was mourning the flames (laughs) solely. It's I was sick. (laughs) Yes, partially. I I was and kind of am sick and was, uh, you know, taking my time getting my voice back. It's almost back. Do I sound hilarious? Because I feel hilarious. (laughs) Yes, uh, I. you <laughs> took a second stab at the uh, intro just now, and I merely commented that you sound like Kermit the Frog, so, but... Uh, uh, d- delightful, okay. Well, we'll <laughs> see if I make it through this entire episode, so... Well, we'll uh, maybe keep it brief since there's less flames talk, although I'm sure there's quite a bit of uh, wrap-up we want to do on that, but... Yeah, but we do have a lot of hockey to talk about, especially since... Uh, because of me, we missed the start of round three and didn't get to do predictions, but that's okay because I think we need to do a little bit of a uh, dissection of round two, including the end of the Battle of Alberta. Yeah, so I guess we'll just sort of wrap up all the other series in round two before we get to the Battle of Alberta. Uh, obviously, Tampa had still swept Florida last time we recorded, so still nothing has changed there. We've already talked about that one, I think. Um, Colorado finally beat St. Louis, although not when you may have thought based on our last episode, because <laughs> we were very much adamant about the fact that that series was over as we were recording. And then suddenly St. Louis ended up tying the game, <laughs> I think multiple times after the fact, yep. uh, and, and winning it in OT, uh, but Colorado eventually took them out, uh, the next game. So Colorado did move on and then, uh, the Rangers and Hurricanes, what happened to the Canes in Game 7? <laughs> they had yet to lose uh, at home all playoffs and had only let in eight goals against at home to that point. Uh, and then eventually they fell 6-2, uh, to two, I believe it was, to the Rangers in Game 7. So suddenly that just hometown magic just did not work. So anyways, the Rangers ended up moving on. That split for them is hilarious where they did not win on the road and only, excuse me, only won at home. That is so ridiculous. Yeah, that, yes, for sure. Whenever we talk about, oh, the Hurricanes have not lost uh, at home, very few people mention the fact that they also had not won on the road. So, yeah, true. It's a double-edged stat there. Yeah, that's that. That is very strange. But uh, what do we only have the one series left? The uh, the one that shall not be talked about that we still have to talk about. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so the Oilers and the Flames. Um, I don't remember where things were at last time. Uh, I believe the series was three to one for the Oilers. So we've only missed. We only have to recap one game. I believe. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> 
Yeah, okay. So uh, we'll just assume that if someone who does not know hockey is sort of like, hey, there's a blank spot here. What <laughs> happened? Let us know and we'll maybe try to fill you in. But I think all we have to talk about is game five. Uh, I guess that kind of spoils the ending. Game five was the only game to happen. <laughs> yep, Ergo, yep. the Oilers did end up winning it. Um, but there was probably a lot to talk about in that game. I, you know, do not remember lots specifically now. But um, Darren, what were your thoughts on, on game five? Uh, I had a lot of good vibes going in. And especially when the Flames went up to nothing, I was like, oh, here we go. Like they're kind of getting back to it and yes they had early leads before but this one seemed a little bit more stable and they had a more flamesy game i think for the first half where they were things were in control and not you know it wasn't going up and down the ice like crazy and the flames were spending quite a bit of time in the oilers zone and it was like this looks good this looks sustainable and then uh it very suddenly went the oilers way um and and we joked about this a lot off the air, but how you can tell when it turns into an Oilers game because it just goes into abject chaos all at <laughs> once. And that just suits the Oilers so perfectly and it overwhelms the Flames. Like the Flames go from, yeah, we've done this for 82 games and we look dominant doing it to what is happening? What is this sport? What is going on? And then the Oilers just happen to take over when that happens. And... uh you know, I don't remember too much of it because it was like over a week ago and I've been sick the whole week. And I also shut it off immediately, like the split second <laughs> after McDavid scored and never looked back. But um, yeah, I, I don't think it was unexpected. Like I was very much obviously hoping the Flames would win, as you would imagine. But the way they played that whole series, I don't think they really deserved to win maybe that game they deserved to win because they did pretty well for most of it and i and uh the coleman goal i also remember that was gonna be another classic flames playoff moment because i do think that should have counted i had kind of a different take than most people because it, it kind of makes me laugh when people are saying that he didn't he didn't mean to kick it or he didn't mean like it was all part of the motion or whatever you know, he clearly meant to hit it, right, in some way. He's crashing yeah. the net, and he's trying to hit the puck with his skate. I think that's fairly obvious. And for anyone to say otherwise is them trying to have a hot take, I think. Because um, if he's in the area, he's going to try to get it in the net. But it, to me, it comes down to the kicking motion thing and everything surrounding that. And it's so vague, and the NHL has not been super consistent with it. Um and that's kind of what made me upset and made me think that it should be a goal because and we've seen on the internet and lots of examples on Twitter and even on like Elliot Friedman is showing examples on air, I think, afterwards of of goals that did count during the season that looked way more blatant than what Coleman did. Um, so while I think he did purposely redirect it, I think it's the precedent that the NHL set that they went back on that makes me upset mm. that it's like okay, if you're going to call those other ones goals that you did all season, then you need to do this in the playoffs too, even though it's the playoffs. Like you've set that precedent. You know, I don't like the NHL still doing the thing where they change the call in the playoffs because it's more important. Mm. It's like, well, that's not how that works. Um, so that was a little bit of a 
choker because I think the Flames could have won off the back of that and then we would have maybe had a bit more of a series. But I'm also not saying that that, you know, that's the reason the Flames lost the whole th- like no they they lost right. three games in a row before that so <laughs> yeah there were other issues going on so yeah that's kind of my take on that game it was closer the Flames looked more like themselves but they still didn't deserve to come away with it and I do wish that Coleman goal would have been called like it had been called all year and then maybe we could have seen more of this series instead of just five games yeah I actually totally agree with you on on pretty much everything uh on that goal uh although i will call it on the non-goal <laughs> just just to irritate you it was in it was in <laughs> um yeah i agree it was there was definitely some sort of kicking motion and i thought it was quite telling um that on the panel uh after that uh, in, i guess in the intermission leading up to overtime that the two people on the panel who had played professional hockey both said, yeah, he clearly kicked it to some degree. Yeah. Uh, And, and whereas Elliot Friedman said like, no, it's impossible. He couldn't have been kicking it. He was falling. Like, how does that work? Physics, uh, et cetera. But again, the two players who've played professional hockey, they were like, no, like, yeah, he, he kicked it a little bit, not much, but yeah. And, um, but at the same time, I do, I was also surprised that it got, um, rejected, that it got called back because to me, yeah, I can see a little bit of kicking motion, but I did not think it was enough to be conclusive to overturn the call on the ice. So I was also surprised, although different from you, pleasantly surprised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that was a bit of a bummer. Um, I mean, for me, I think it was a bummer of a series. Uh, people who are more neutral than me don't seem to think so, which is good. <laughs> uh, and I think that means the Flames showed up a lot better than I think they did, maybe. Um, yeah. As far as goals and, again, pure chaos, definitely entertaining series. I think, again, if you're more neutral or an Oilers fan, that was a pretty rocking series to watch. I think the only people that are really disappointed are Flames fans and mm-hmm. and the only real disappointment for people is maybe that it didn't go longer and i will say it's kind of like a maybe like a wrap up to it i think that's the one time this year the flames haven't looked good and while i was very disappointed in how that turned out uh i think that all in all it was a very good flame season and it was a very fun to watch flame season and it might even be the best one i've seen in my lifetime which is kind of sad but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but still like now that most of the disappointment has worn off a little bit and i don't know enough oilers fans that are going to make me regret you know watching that uh i think that it was like all in all a good season if it had been anyone other than the oilers i wouldn't be as disappointed but that's how <laughs> rivalries go and yeah. i think it's something that will like that the flames will be able to build off of as a, like a, we lost pretty badly to our, to our rivals. So that's going to be their driving force next year. I would imagine. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, the, the flames put up a one heck of a season this year and, um, you know, did quite some, uh, powerful offense against Dallas. Um, not in the sense of the goals department, but obviously in the shots department, they were, they were the team to beat. Um, you know, obviously we both predicted our own team to win this series, <laughs> yeah. but 
but I, I'm fairly certain I said that it was not going to be easy for either of them. Uh, I I do agree with you. I think it was uh, easier than either of us expected. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, that that was not the flames of the regular season. That was not the flames of the first round. That w- that was a different team, unfortunately. But but it did make some entertaining hockey for Oilers fans and neutral uh, hockey fans alike. So. Yeah, and as much as it was stressful and horrible, I do hope the Flames get another crack at the Oilers of the playoffs at some point, you know, before 30 years. That would be kind of <laughs> nice. But um, I think we can probably move on to talk about the team that did make it through uh, because one of us still has a team in the running, at least for now. For now. <laughs> um, how are you liking this start against the Avalanche? Yeah, so uh, as of recording, where the Oilers are already down two nothing in the series against Colorado, um, I will uh, state for the record that I had said out loud to to Darren and to one of our other friends that I actually predicted Colorado would win this series. So I'm not just sort of jumping on this because we're down two nothing, um, but at the same time, uh, I do have some faith in the Oilers. I would not be surprised if the Oilers could pull it out. Uh, But again, it's going to be a tough battle, especially now. And so I guess I should cover uh, what's happened. Uh, In a very quick nutshell, game one was very much a similar game to game one against the Flames. (laughs) Eerily similar. (laughs) Yeah, it it ended up being uh, 8-6 for Colorado. And it was the same sort of thing. Colorado had, um, you know, jumped out ahead. Uh, Oilers were, I believe, always trailing. I don't think they ever took the lead. And uh, there was lots of goals happening. Uh, Edmonton, you know, almost caught up and then just kind of it failed them at the end and like like you said eerily similar to game one game two (laughs) not so much so (laughs) I, i had heard um several people say to me oh well game one that was just like what they did with the flames so they they should be fine uh you know they'll just come back and no game two four nothing colorado so that was um, hard to watch, <laughs> to say the least. It was it was not a good performance by the Oilers. Yes, it was a good performance for, by the Avalanche for parts of it, not all of it though. <laughs> but uh, but it was definitely not a good performance from the Oilers. But the solace I'm taking in this is, I think this is the kick in the teeth they needed um, to do better. You know, I think they also thought, oh, game one was just like game one against the Flames. We're scoring lots of goals. So as long as Mike Smith doesn't do Mike Smith things and let in more goals, you know, we should be able to handle these guys. And so they thought that going into game two and then they got clobbered for nothing. They couldn't get a single goal in. Um, And of course, Avalanche did score significantly. So I think that's going to help them. I, I'm not saying this is they're going to win four straight here or anything like that. But uh, I do think we're going to see different Oilers in game three and on. Um, it, it reminds me of uh, 2017, I believe. Oilers were in the playoffs with San Jose. They were up 2-1 in the series and ended up losing to San Jose 7 nothing. 
and that's just embarrassing to see in the playoffs that's embarrassing to see in regular season it's all the more embarrassing to see in the playoffs and uh they ended up coming back from that and winning two in a row to eliminate the sharks again i don't think this is gonna like make the oilers go on a tear and win four straight who knows maybe but i hope we're gonna see a different uh group in game three and uh and they're gonna put up a better fight than they have yeah, that uh, that game too is chicken soup for the soul. If you're a Flames fan, I think that was nice to watch. Um, the Avalanche looked for most of it like that team that you and I have been talking up for like two plus years now that were just mm-hmm. dominant, and it was you know it was so nice to see someone be able to stop McDavid, like to just be able to to just skate with him and poke the puck off his stick and make it look like a normal defensive play. Um, that was. That was quite something. So uh, uh, I think the Avalanche are looking strong. I think they had kind of their little wake-up call against St. Louis. Like, oh, yeah, we need to probably kick it into higher gear. So I think they're prepared for the Oilers. Uh, The fact that they're down to their backup and their third stringer is a little bit sketchy. Uh, Their backup looked really solid Mm -hmm. uh, in the game. But, you know, obviously when it's just one injury away from hitting some guy that you don't know you've never heard of. And that's always a little bit scary, but I think the Oilers are going to have to very much bring an a game in every game to win. Not just like a a minus or a B plus game. That's not going to cut it. They're, they're going to have to like go supernova to beat the avalanche. Cause the avalanche are looking pretty comfortable playing the Oilers game, which the flames were not. But mm-hmm. uh, like the the last game, the Avalanche were just all going off in transition and like constantly rushing it up the ice. And when it came to trading chances, uh, Colorado has the defense to deal with that, like to get back and knock the puck off and then start a rush the other way. Um, so I think that's something Edmonton's going to struggle with, as well as the fact that uh, Colorado's bottom six is fast, like all of them are. Hmm. I was looking kind of through their roster because it's one of those teams. It's like, I know I obviously know the most of the players, like the players you hear about, but then you get to the bottom of the roster and you're like, oh, I didn't realize Andrew Cogliano played for the Avalanche and like uh, Darren Helm. Uh, okay. Uh, but those guys, for example, are super fast and they didn't get many points in the season, but they're showing up in the playoffs very positively just mm-hmm. by being fast and annoying. And uh, that's kind of very different to what Calgary's bottom six is. Calgary's bottom six is lumbering and is trying to put you through the boards <laughs> and put you in the ice bath. But uh, I think I think that Edmonton's going to have a lot more trouble with the speed, which is, their, which is their own game, but they don't have a lot of it in their bottom six either. And I think that Colorado just maybe has a step higher um, – quality of what Edmonton does like they have they just they play the same game as Edmonton and they might do it a bit better so I think if Edmonton wants to win they need to catch Colorado off guard and they need their stars to really really heat up like they were in the Calgary series yeah so I guess before we move on to uh briefly talk about the Eastern Conference uh do you have a prediction for that series well it's kind of cheating at this point but uh, I will take Colorado in five because they have looked very good. Yeah, and I'm hesitant to pick a sweep, but uh, 
just I'm just picking giving Edmonton the one to like balance against my homerism. <laughs> I guess that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be. <laughs> Yeah, like uh, like I said, I had said before the series started, <clears throat> I think Colorado's probably going to beat Edmonton in six. Um, actually, about halfway through the first period in game one, I changed it to Avalanche in five because Oilers are terrible. <laughs> um, they did bounce back a little bit, but ended up losing that game. But I felt better at the end of that game than I did at the sort of mid to end of the first um Obviously, game two did not make me feel better. But like I said, I, I do expect a different uh, Oilers crew to come out. So I'm, I'm sticking with my Colorado in six. Um, again, I, I think the Oilers could do it. This, this is my homerism coming out. I think the Oilers can do it. So I'm hedging my bets. But I just, yeah, Colorado is a much harder opponent to get through than they think, I think. Yeah, they're pretty difficult. And the East is kind of surprising right now as we just had a a game wrap up between the Lightning and the Rangers and inexplicably the Rangers are up two to zero. How did I Yeah. I'm glad that we see that before we uh before we did predictions because that changes <laughs> right? my mind drastically. Yeah, the Rangers actually won the first game six to two against Tampa. Like how? <laughs> the Rangers are not a six goal team and Tampa is not a six goals against team. Yeah. And uh, the game two uh, just now was a little bit closer, only three to two for the Rangers, but the Rangers still beat Tampa in the playoffs. So not quite sure how that's going to go in the end. Um, although a few years back, the Rangers and uh, the lightning did face each other in the Eastern conference finals and it did not go well for New York. So, I think uh, I obviously I, you know, I've made it known that I, I do love the Rangers, but I, I've also really been uh, sort of protecting my own heart with my predictions <laughs> on them because I have not had a lot of faith in them. And I definitely would have said the same about this round uh, coming into it. So I feel the Lightning could still, you know, do Tampa Bay things in the playoffs. But uh, I, I have a little glimmer of hope. I, I really don't know how to predict this one, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I heard a stat in the game when I was watching earlier that said Vasilevsky was 17-0 and 0 after a loss in the playoffs since 2020. So make wow. that 17-1, and 1, I guess. <laughs> like, holy crap, if you can do that to that kind of a record, then I do think the Rangers have a genuine shot and they looked very competent when I've been watching, like their offense is snapping it around and uh, they, they're getting the whole playoffs thing of a random guy stepping up that you don't expect in Philip Heedle. Who? <laughs> like what? Huh? And, yeah. You know, like things are just going right for them. So I, I mean, if Tampa Bay can't suddenly pick it up, and I mean, I think they can, but, you know, they're looking very vulnerable right now. And uh, yeah, mm -hmm. I'm having real trouble picking against the Tampa train, but like they've looked so vulnerable the past two games. It's like, oh, they aren't bulletproof. So do I pick the Rangers? Because, you know, I, I would have picked Tampa in five, I think, if I hadn't seen the first two games. But now I don't <laughs> like I think I might pick Tampa in seven. But yeah. 
it's hard to do that just because we've seen the first two games now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's realistic. I, I think that's kind of where I'm sitting too. Like it's probably going all the way just because yeah, Rangers are playing so well, but Tampa just can't be held down for that long. Right. That's just yeah. not possible. So yeah, I think I'm with you. I think, I think it's going to seven and then at, you know, at seven, it's a coin flip, but um, yeah, who knows? And the funny thing is that the Rangers have home ice. Like all these teams have had home ice against Tampa, which is so weird to think. That is bizarre, they, yeah. Because they just like held it, like, you know, played old man YMCA hockey until the playoffs started. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, the, they do have that going for them. And clearly I think it has had a little bit of an impact for New York because they have come out flying. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's two really, really good series to uh, that we have going on for the conference championships now it is time for sellies and scorn and i think i will go first uh i'm gonna go with my scorn first um so arizona just kind of a scorn all on its own just the state (laughs) and its general existence but the hockey team uh as we all know Maybe some of us don't know, but they've been having a whole thing with not paying up for their uh, arena that they play in, and they're getting kicked out, which is really hilarious that a professional sports team is getting kicked out of the arena they play in. Um, And they're moving to a 5,000-seat university arena for the next year, which seems totally fine and totally normal. (laughs) 5,000 seats, that's great. Yeah, that's going to work great. They can't even have their own logo on center ice. Again, very professional, uh, just what you would expect from a professional sports team. But I digress. N- new news came out today that the Arizona Coyotes uh, need a 30-year commitment to build their new arena. 30 years for the Arizona Coyotes. I don't know how that is going to be possible because they're so poorly run and they rarely seem to have fans and I can only imagine they lose the league just tons of money every year. And they're playing in a 5,000-seat arena, and they proposed a $1.9 billion arena development project in Tempe, Arizona. Again, for a team that never has fans. <laughs> uh, and they released renderings of the arena, and it looks suspiciously like the current Saddle Dome in shape. <laughs> and... The entire ceiling of the building is a video screen. I just, it's a whole thing. But my score is just for the idea of hockey in Arizona in general. Like I, at this point, it's kind of hilarious how hard Gary Bettman is trying to keep hockey there and what lengths they will go to to say that it's totally fine and it's working great. And I think the most stark thing comparison to show how ridiculous this is, is that Quebec City drew 14,000 fans for a junior game the other day. And Arizona is going to be playing in a 5,000 seat stadium. How does that make any sense? You have a you have a market and again, I'm, I don't know the economics of this, but surely Quebec City and the hockey rabid fans in in Quebec could support a team better than the literal mi- middle of the desert, you know? <laughs> And we've seen, obviously, teams like Tampa are doing great and Florida's picking it up even and getting fans. But Arizona's just never gotten off the ground. 
and they're so stubbornly going after it. And it's just every time news comes out, it just makes you laugh at how ridiculous this whole saga is. So my my score is for the Arizona Coyotes and the new news about, you know, needing to pledge to stay there for 30 years to get an arena development when they can't even pay to stay in their current arena. Like, come on, NHL, just let it go. Just let the coyotes die. It'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, my scorn today is uh, is Connor McDavid. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Yeah, I yeah. thought he was above reproach. <laughs> no, no. This this is absolutely shameful. So <laughs> he was on a multi point streak through the playoffs. Uh, he was at seven games. Just one shy of tying the record of a little-known oiler named Wayne Gretzky. Uh, You've probably never heard of him, but that's okay. No. And, uh, yeah, all he needed to do was get two points on the night in Game 5 against Calgary. And what did he do? He got one lonely goal. Oh, what a bomb. Wasted. The whole streak gone <laughs> out the window. Like, gosh, this guy, what are we paying him for if not multiple points? Not just one goal, multiple points. Okay, in real, you know, in all uh, seriousness, he got the overtime game winner. So I don't (laughs) think he's too disappointed in himself there. But uh, I thought that was just kind of funny that, um, yeah, he, he probably does not even, did not even think about it. He got the game winner. He's moving on to the next round. He's probably like multi-point. What? Who? Oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> we're, we're going to the conference finals. Who cares? I just assumed I'd broken all those records already. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. My celly is for one Stuart Jones for oh. being the best best opposing team rival fan someone could ask <laughs> for. Uh, you know, your your team beat my team in just a embarrassing fashion the flames did so many horrible embarrassing things and you could have just rubbed it in our faces my face i guess i'm speaking for myself and the other flames fans in our friend group but you could have just been you know every time the oilers won a game you could have been rubbing it in and uh giving us the trash talk and after the series was over you could have just really given us the gears for it but i barely heard a peep out of you and you're just a real stand-up guy, Stu. You let us know how to mourn, how to let the moment <laughs> breathe. You know what the uh, the period of time that can pass before you can start to poke fun is. So I really appreciate you being a great <laughs> opposing fan, Stu. I can't say that I would uh, I would do the same, but I appreciate it from you. Well, there's there's two reasons that I you know know when not to brag. After every single game the Oilers won, I knew not to brag because we still had not eliminated the Flames <laughs> and it could have turned on its head at any second. So I knew not to brag at any point in time. After we did eliminate the Flames, I knew not to brag for a little bit because that has happened to the Oilers many times <laughs> and I I know how it feels. I have been in your shoes, so I am basking in this glory i must say that i agree that you probably would not be that gracious of a winner (laughs) (laughs) and the reason i say that is because 
I have a message from you after you after the Flames lost of your rant against the Oilers that I cannot repeat on air. Yeah, <laughs> because it was uh, it, you. I don't I think angry. you'd be a gracious winner based on how <laughs> ungracious of a loser you were. <laughs> I told you, I I warned you beforehand that I needed to get it off my chest, and to be you fair, did. it was. It was mostly directed at the luck of the Oilers and lotteries and the city of Edmonton and the people. Actually, yeah, it was pretty mean. You're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it got, got, it got kind of personal in there, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but uh, thank you. I, I appreciate the acknowledgement. Um, and yeah, I, I, I in fact had said when you sent when you were about to send that message, you sent me the warning, saying, "Here's it's coming. This is my Oilers hate rant." And I said, <laughs> "Save it for the podcast." And then you posted. I was like, "Okay, I'm glad he did not save that for the podcast." <laughs> yeah, this is the non-podcast version. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, anyways, uh, well, you know, my Sally today just has to be because I've already been congratulated on being such a gracious winner. Oh, no. I have I went to too early. the Edmonton Oilers. I just have to do it because <laughs> we, they finally, finally freaking made it to, you know, not the Stanley Cup finals by any stretch. They didn't win the Stanley Cup by any stretch, <laughs> but we actually made it past the second round. This has not happened since 2006 when they were in the Stanley Cup Finals. That was heartbreak then. It just hurt me to say those numbers. <laughs> but uh could they, be they worse, Stu. It could be yeah, worse. It, it could be. So they, they finally... 2004. <laughs> yeah, I knew that was going to come up. But anyway, <laughs> they finally made it to uh, the conference championships uh, after so long. So I, you know, I just have to bask in it for a little brief moment. And, uh, you know, uh, as Bon Jovi said, we're halfway there. But then as Bon Jovi followed up very quickly, living on a prayer. And I feel like those <laughs> yes. are both very after the Oilers future <laughs> right now. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, we had fun. We hope you did, too. Uh, be sure to check us out on the com and on all the social medias, although we don't actually know that many social medias, so we might not be on all of them. But the normal ones, we're probably on. And check us out on your favorite podcast app. Wherever you go to find podcasts, you should find us. And if you don't, go to the website, send us an email, send us a tweet, send us a something pigeon letter and uh, we'll figure out a way to get you listening but if you're listening to this you probably already knew that i'm gonna stop talking good night